I'm Molly O'Connor. And I'm Sarah Connell Sanders. And you're listening to Pop It. This is the podcast for popping questions, popping bottles, and pop culture. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Molly. <laughs> February is early February, at least, is a surprisingly busy time. My first question, I guess, is about the Grammys and Beyonce. Yes. There is a lot of reverence for her among winners and yes, among everyone on the planet Earth. Um, sure. But beyond that, she has not won any major categories, and she was late. It, a lot of things happened, but I'm, I'm yes. just curious about your general take on her presence at the Grammys and like whether or not she wanted to be there. So I do get the sense. I think that Beyonce loves to make music for people. Like, I do. I really, really, really think that. Yeah, and she's so private, but she yes. loves me. I music. also think, and some people are speculating, too, that, like, this may be her last tour. It's she's she's not old by any means, but... But if she wants to retire, she can. Yes, and you obviously. watched Homecoming, I think, yeah. right? And so, I don't know. If you haven't watched the documentary Homecoming or if you don't follow Beyonce, like, that closely, she not only... She's very meticulous. She's very private. Yes, but she also, like, puts her body through things anytime she is doing a video, whatever it is. And not just her body, um, but specifically I'm talking about, like, something like a tour in this case. But just in general, like, because of just her focus and her outlook, she just – she gives everything to whatever she does. She's a perfectionist, but she's also a professional, right? Yes. Where she's like, she's, I understand people are spending an entire paycheck to do this one experience, and I'm going to make it perfect. Absolutely. Sure, part of it is ego, like any other person of, of that, like, stature and fame. Um, I imagine that she probably, like – I don't know, would rather have maybe been doing something else on a Sunday night. But I think she also understands, like, what part of her job is. And I also think she knew, even though she didn't win Album of the Year or those big, like, those kind of majors, we'll talk about maybe in a minute, she did know that she was going to be breaking a record. Oh, yeah. Um, She did break the record for most Grammys ever won by a person. But like Sarah said, she hasn't won Album of the Year. I don't know that she's won Record of the Year. I don't think she's won the the big four. Yeah, so... So for artists, album of the year is for an album. So like the body of work, 12 tracks, whatever it is that you like release as a cohesive unit. Record of the year is for the recording of a song. If a song wins record of the year, the producer will win an award. Like it might be even awarding the instrumentalist or session people. Song of the year is an award for songwriting. Yeah, the whole thing is crazy. And then I think, what's the other, what would be the fourth, like, best new artist? Yeah, that must be it. Yeah. I think some people expected it just because, because it was, like, seemed like time. Because she's never won it before. I think she should have won it for Lemonade. Yeah. No, I think she should have won it for the self-titled album. But this is a self-titled, too, exactly. And this is what happens, though, is, like, every time... She doesn't, and every time the same conversation happens, which is totally correct, which is just like, what more does she need to do? I don't entirely to know. To prove this to herself. I know it's not ranked choice voting, and there are, like, thousands of musicians, I think, but from all different genres, I think almost everyone votes for album of the year. Yes, I think it's similar to the Oscars, um, where, like, the nominations are voted for in one way. Yeah. Classical jazz musician, you might be like, ugh, Beyonce is mm-hmm. so, like, I, I don't know, normie. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> pop. Pop. 
What? Right. And I have to say, like, to be clear, I, and you just mentioned this, but like, I don't know how the Grammys, I could tell you like exactly how the Oscars work, but yeah. I do enjoy it as a piece of entertainment. Well, and as a piece of entertainment, they only give out, I think, eight awards or something. Very On the few. show. Yeah. They give like nothing away in the show and there's like 70 or 80 or a hundred something categories, right? Yeah. That happen off air. And so that's important. And then the performances as they should be, I think with the Grammys are a big part of it. Yes. They are showcased, which is cool. Um, but okay. So can we Beyonce. talk about Harry Styles oh, yes. performance too? Because he Ooh. did, he won the big award and he said something, I know you're a lifelong Harry Styles yeah, fan but in no. many ways, but he said, um, like this, this doesn't, doesn't happen, happen to people, people like me. me. Yes. And everyone kind of like collectively sighed. Oh yeah. No. So I, I think like, I actually, I love Harry. Yes. Like Sarah said, I liked that album. I like, am okay with it. Just like winning awards. Yeah. But yes, I think, and I think like a lot of people too are, I think because Harry has conducted himself in such a way over the past, especially few years as he's getting older, where he seems, like, really sensitive about things or, like, intentional or careful. I think that was a part of the surprises because it just didn't seem like something that he had, like, thought about. But I do – I have found people – a lot of people giving him the benefit of the doubt and yes. saying, like – and I I think this is probably – I think this is probably true, though, is that he kind of maybe meant, like, a boy from a, a like, pop star – factory tv show yeah but like it didn't play oh no well. it didn't play well because it shouldn't have because it was silly his charm boils down to like his magnetic charisma and energy as a performer not necessarily as a, it's singer, like a songwriter or something a songwriter yeah. it's when you go to see a harry Styles show as i understand it it is an experience it's like an elton john situation he did perform <laughs> on the broadcast and hi they, jake oh hi jake okay all right have fun with the rest of your podcast. It was silly though for her to say that because you have in the audience sitting Beyonce, who has literally worked at this her entire life, who has like had accomplishment after accomplishment and who cannot win this award. Right. The reactions too from Lizzo and Adele were like very memeable, but it's very possible they caught them at the wrong well, moment. And it's funny because Lizzo and Harry Styles love each other. Oh, yeah. They're like besties. And when he won, she there's a picture of her like recording him and just like with a huge grin on her face, which just shows you like what a careless thing that was to say, especially. I think it like, I think it was worse because. I think people did expect that Beyonce would, like, finally Right. And I wonder if that's why people didn't vote for her, because they thought it was just, like, a shoe-in kind of situation. I think it's probably that. I think there are also people who just are like, no. (laughs) I don't know. We'll talk about the Andrea Heisenberg situation. Um, Harry's performance, though, the turntable that they were going to dance on started rotating in the opposite direction. Oh. From what they had rehearsed. Well, that would throw me, too. So I was wondering how they, they didn't fall off thinking they had rehearsed. So they all just had to start, like, doing their choreography backwards, basically. Oh. Which is kind of remarkable now that you're like, oh. Oh, <laughs> is that okay. crazy? I thought maybe he was sick. Just, like, he was right, low yes. energy. Yep. He wasn't going for high notes the way he usually mm-hmm. does. And, and that could be part of it, too. I mean, I have no idea. Yeah. I just thought, like, something's off with him tonight. Or John Caramonica on the podcast from the New York Times, he was talking about how um, 
Harry was maybe having this self-actualizing moment where he was like, everyone thinks I'm a joke. And it, it was a little far-fetched. Like, he was just, like, going, he was, like, going through something, like, from a movie. Yeah, like, Almost, when, like, as it was happening. So he does these long stints at Madison Square Garden or whatever, and he sells them out. And people go because they're so excited and they love him so much. And then he's sitting in a room of his peers, and he's like, oh, my God, imposter syndrome, or something like that, where his whole shtick didn't feel as important as, say, Beyonce's talent, you sure. know, and hard work. And- um, that's really funny, because the second you said that, I started to think of, um, there's my, my favorite scene in Boogie Nights. There's a scene in Boogie Nights, and it's kind of like a famous scene where... Mark Wahlberg's character is the main character of the movie, and he's experiencing, like, a little bit of that and a little bit of a lot of feelings. But they tra- they basically, like, there's pop guns going off. Jesse's girl is playing. There's, pe- there's drugs everywhere. And so it's, like, a constant – it's just things are happening, and they train the camera on Mark Wahlberg's face, on his character's face. And so you watch, you hear, and kind of see in the periphery all these things happening around him, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's just him, like, feeling a bunch of feelings. And that's what that made me think of. Like, I'm imagining Harry Styles, like, going through, like – just an entire like roller coaster of every single thing he's ever thought of, right? Well, you know who else you just made me think of sitting in the audience? Ben. Is... Yeah, Ben Affleck. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's not out of character. But... No, he's been looking like he's been looking like a little bit miserable and a little bit ornery. Dour. Dour is yes, he looks dour. That's like a little bit of his vibe. His vibe, I think, since ever since I think like he and Jennifer Garner split up. Yeah. Right? I feel like the he's just sort of dour. Right. Um, and I, you know, obviously I, I'm not trying to like correlate the two, but yeah, he's just like, there's been more pictures of him just like sat, like looking like he is experiencing ennui. That's how I would describe it. Like a real <laughs> existential, just like existential boredom and near misery, but like not quite like a numbness. That's one of those French words that they're like, we don't have a real ennui. We don't have a real corresponding idea for it. He wants to be married to J-Lo. I don't think he, like, wants to, like, do – go to the Grammys. I don't think he wants to go to the Grammys. He doesn't want to be out of the public eye, but – Yeah, right. There are certain things that he wants to do. It's like you, before this started, you were showing me a clip. Yes. How old is that? There is a – so there's a Dateline special from 2003, which is hosted by Pat O'Brien, which some of you – May remember he used to host like Extra or Access Hollywood and then he was fired because he left like lewd voicemails on several people's answering machines. <laughs> um but answering machines. Yeah, right. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's basically it's a it's like a dateline special of Ben Affleck and JLo. Um and I have only seen a clip of it. I have not watched 41 minutes of this. I've watched <laughs> like 7 minutes of it. But yeah, there's a clip where like she seems like she's putting on for the camera and is like we're cooking together with she was cooking with Ben O'Brien um and he's just as like he's like checked out and it almost comes across as disdain for her mm-hmm. as opposed to the situation well I don't know if you've seen this but there is a clip of them recently where you know the lip readers of TikTok are like he's saying Jen I didn't drink it I don't know she's upset obviously and he is an alcoholic. Yeah, he has, ad- he has addiction issues. And so other people are like, no, it, the lips are saying, Jen, I didn't do it. But whatever they're saying, they're in an argument. It seems right. It seems pretty early. Jen, too. I didn't something is like, 
Yeah. Nice. They've known each other for how long, right? Like when you know all the cameras are out. It just... Anyway. It reminds me of the... This is like way off. We'll get back to it. But the Liam Hemsworth and Miley Cyrus clip where he's like scolding her. Yes. Yeah. That's been resurfacing. Like, I love she that She kind of like thrashes him. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think that Ben Affleck wanted to be at the Grammys. I do think that... Actually, I know that Madonna wanted to be at the Grammys. Okay. Madonna does not look like herself as we know her. Yeah. It's really bothering me because I think aging, say what you will about Julia Fox, but like aging is a beautiful thing and they're trying to make it. Yes. My problem with Madonna's looks right now, which is a weird way to word it because I don't want to say like my problem with her looks. If ladies as they get older get plastic surgery, whatever, she... Is but she's like almost she's wearing and styling herself in a way that is very like culture vulture. Yeah, she's dressing herself like a young black person essentially. And I don't mean to sound like oh, like imagine what that looks like, but she's she is you wearing her hair in a like a braid style that like is very typical of the black community and not very typical of the white community. Um, and even like she's has like a like piercings or like a grill. She had a grill in her mouth the right. other day, which is really weird and like very appropriative. What I do have a problem with, right, is when people say like, oh, she put too much stuff on her face. She did this, she did this, she did this. Because that's just like choices that she's making. I oh, guess, see, right? that is what I was kind of No, saying. like I agree with you I on just, that. I like personally. And I thought what a beautiful woman and she's just not accepting like the biological changes happening to her. And for me, is off-putting. But oh, yeah. that's her decision. I'm with You're you right. on that on a personal level. Like, to me, like, I don't like, I, it makes me sad. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. that bums me out big time. But, Just like. that she's the most confident woman in the world. Or mm-hmm. when I was growing up, she was the picture of confidence. And she did empower, like, so many communities. Like, the oh, community. Yeah. And to just be who you are and be proud of that. And then she has pumped her face filled with... It's it's a lot of fillers. If you haven't seen it, it's a lot of fillers. The thing with her, so she actually made a statement about it, which I thought was interesting, and she addressed a couple different things in it. Um, And one thing I I do like about Madonna, I I am a big Madonna fan. I've seen Madonna live. Like, I love her. Um, She's not... she's, she's She's very imperfect, but I appreciate... The things that I appreciate about her and I'm like, okay with critiquing things. We've talked about this before. It's okay to like... Change your mind. It's okay to change your mind. It's also okay to like dislike elements of things that you still like. I'll see how it goes. No, I would love that. I've not heard this either. So, right. I was going to say, I'll just read it so you can hear. Um, This is... So she posted this on Instagram. She posted a clip, kind of like a highlight clip of stuff that she was doing at the Grammys and people she was seeing. And she captioned it with the following... <clears throat> it was an honor for me to introduce Kim Petras and Sam Smith at the Grammys. I wanted to give the last award, which was album of the year, but I thought it was more important that I pre- present the first trans woman pe- performing at the Grammys, a history making moment. And on top of that, she won a Grammy. So she's already bringing in this like sense of history that I think she does have right about her own legacy and beyond. Um, Instead of focusing on what I said in my speech, which was about giving thanks for the fearlessness of artists like Sam and Kim, Many people chose to only talk about close-up photos of me taken with a long-lens camera by a press photographer that would distort anyone's face! Two exclamation points. 
Once again, I am caught in the glare of ageism and misogyny that permeates the world we live in, a world that refuses to celebrate women past the age of 45 and feels the need to punish her if she continues to be strong-willed, hardworking, and adventurous. And I think that's her kind of being like, yeah, maybe I wanted to put some stuff in my face, but wait, there's one more thing, sorry, Um, which I just, it's like my favorite little bit. I've never apologized for any of the creative choices I've made, nor the way I look or dress, and I'm not going to start. I've been degraded by the media since the beginning of my career, but I understand that this is all a test and I am happy to do the trailblazing so that all the women behind me can have an easier time in the years to come. In the words of Beyonce, (laughs) you won't break my soul. I look forward to many more years of subversive behavior, pushing boundaries, standing up to the patriarchy, and most of all, enjoying my life. Bow down, bitches. (laughs) <laughs> and I thought, and I thought, I liked how she brought that. in multiple elements of it. To Beyonce. Yeah, it, that is a great encapsulation of the broadcast as a whole. I right. Um, it really and, is. You know, it helps me to kind of click into place some of the feelings I was having where I was like, I love this woman. Why is she doing that? I found it very clarifying. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, oh, she's just, it's an, it's like to us, I think we, in like, you know, we're obviously. This is like our armchair. But like to us, I think we see it as like, oh, she's not accepting her aging. She's not. Maybe part of it for her is that she's like, it's a new adventure. She's like, I just want to see what happens, I guess. Right. I, I love the idea of her shouldering the criticism too and being like, yep, bring it on. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. I yep. can take it. I'm strong. I think that and I think that she's right to stake her claim as a trailblazer because mm-hmm. she has been. I think like now people look at her and if you don't really know necessarily, especially like in the 80s and even maybe more so in the 90s when she was releasing books and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, she was the person that a Marjorie Taylor Greene or whoever, Rhonda Sandis, would be, like, going after. Like, she was that. She was the object. She was the target. Not the only one. Because, like we said, Beyonce does not – she could spend the rest of her life not going to the Grammys and be, like, perfectly content. Yeah. And I think people would be like, okay. <laughs> and at least in a financial sense, yes. right? But, um, but, like, Tina Turner – Tina Turner was Kate had a comeback in the 80s and 90s. She moved to um, Scandinavia. Well, yeah, I was she just too. bounced. I, she was like, I'm good, thanks. And maybe it's a mark of narcissism in a way that Madonna continues to do this. Oh, certainly. I don't think that that's but I also think that's how she is that's how she's Madonna in the first place, right? Right. Yeah. So you have to just like roll with it. Um, again, like I said, not she's not perfect, but I I think she her she's got good flaws. She's also she I, tries. I, <laughs> narcissism is the wrong word because she is she's willing to admit her faults. It's definitely ego. Ego, ego and narcissism can be different, even yeah. though they are the same. No, you're right. You're um, right. It's like when we're talking about ennui. You know, sometimes things don't quite translate. Yes, a lot of nuance. Exactly. Did you watch? Do you watch the whole show? I've only watched clips. I fell asleep at 11.30. I have never made it. And still have like another hour. Yeah, I've never made it through a Grammys, mostly by choice. It's too long. You saw Sam Smith. Yes. The (laughs) Sam Smith thing I felt was very campy, but was intended to be. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed the performance as like a piece of theater. Well, and I think it's so funny because now you have people freaking out about it again. And what it, like devil? Yes, and it's um, a news. It's there's if you ever hear the something panic about a satanic panic. We were Sarah and I were just talking about um, a podcast we both really love called "You're Wrong About," um, and one of the hosts of that is kind of an expert on the satanic panic concept. But it's it's 
basically, like, if you're concerned about it, I don't know. I mean, I would be concerned about it now only because there's so many other laws and stuff coming into play that are, like, that go hand in hand with something like a satanic panic. Like, don't say gay in Florida. Um, But it just, it's, like, back to, like, Tipper Gore trying to get her explicit stamp on all the CDs, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it feels like that. I have to say, I actually, I thought that it was a cool performance. I hate Sam Smith. (laughs) Um, Not as a person. I think that they, I support them as just like whatever statements they're making. I like hate Sam Smith's music, like deeply, like I hate their voice. And so I don't even feel like I can give like a balanced... (laughs) I thought it was cool, though. Well, <laughs> this lends itself to the acceptance speech where Sam Smith, I think, blew a kiss and then stepped aside. Yeah. And I thought that was really that nice. That is cool because Kim Petras, as we learned, is the first trans woman to perform on the Grammys and I think probably to win yeah. a Grammy. Um which is, yeah. And I, I love any speech like that. I always love and respect them. One time Merritt Weaver, she's an actress. She's one of those actresses whose name you're going to be like, I don't know who that is. And then you see her and you're like, aha. Uh, she was on the show Nurse Jackie. She won an Emmy for it. She sure. got on stage, was handed her award, looked at the microphone, said, thank you, and left. Oh, <laughs> it was brilliant. awesome. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you mentioned somebody that we could all look at and be like, I know that person. But maybe we don't know them for a specific role, or they reinvent themselves. Andrea Riseborough. Oh, yes. She is one of those. Well, she's not that famous to begin with. Right. Um, but she has a lot of famous friends. Exactly. So what? Ha- tell us what happened with Andrea Riseborough, Sarah. Give us the rundown. She got the Best Actress nomination for Two Leslie, which no one, even like film critics, hadn't really heard of. Um, I guess it premiered at South by Southwest, but it wasn't on the radar yes. of anyone who is in like a decision-making role in film even, or like film critique. Sure. People like, yeah, people knew about it, kind of. <laughs> so she got her nomination, but then there are people who did not get nominated, like Danielle Deadweiler, who was in Till. Um, and then also Viola Davis, recent EGOT yes. recipient. That's very exciting. Who was in The Woman King. And that one really bothered people. And I mean, she already has an Oscar. I guess that performance. And I have not seen it. I haven't seen it either. I do know. So The Woman King is an interesting case. And I saw a quote today from the director of it, Gina Prince-Blythewood, who I love if you have seen Love and Basketball, which is one of the best movies ever. I don't know. Um, She directed that too. But she directed The Woman King. And she said, it. you know, people keep saying it's a snub. She's like, it's not a snub because a snub implies that like other things about your thing were recognized and one thing wasn't. She was like, it was a shutout. Our movie, and she was, and and she was kind of talking about how successful it was, both commercially and critically. And she's like, for a movie this successful to be shut out is kind of weird, right? It's kind of crazy. It was, and it it didn't. It wasn't like the reviews weren't like, oh my gosh, it's best picture, but the reviews were good. They were, like, very solid to good, and Viola Davis's performance in particular was singled out. Giving Andrea Riseborough the benefit of the doubt, mm-hmm. I think she assumed Viola Davis would get nominated, and it would be someone like Michelle Williams or Anna de Armas, speaking of Ben Affleck, yeah. who would not get nominated. I don't think she realized. Well, I don't think that it's Andrea Riseborough either, so... So here's what happened. It's not just <laughs> that Andrea Riseborough got nominated under strange circumstances um, or like uh, for with a movie that 
no one knew about. There it's, was a grassroots campaign. There was a grassroots campaign where basically a lot of her friends, uh, Mary McCormick, another name that of a woman that you would be like, ah, yes, of course, Mary McCormick from every TV show I've watched. Um, she kind of kind of started the spearheading. She's friendly with Ada Risebro. It spreads to like people like Jennifer Aniston. And Gwyneth Paltrow. And Gwyneth Paltrow, who then were, so they were holding screenings for the movie they were, like, putting on screenings in their home, which is not unheard of. Jack Nicholson, the year that Brokeback Mountain came out, invited people several times to his home to watch Brokeback Mountain. It's a thing people do for movies they support so totally. that they can make sure people see them and will vote for them. But there is a rule about it that you have to show the movie. You can't just have a party yes. based around your movie to try to sway voters. You have to show the movie. You have to show the movie. And so it brings up basically an interesting sort of... It brings up an interesting dichotomy because on the one hand, you have Andrea Risebro, who was in this tiny movie, who was like, I'm just fighting to be recognized for it. And by all accounts, it's a great performance. Yes. And if you're an actor, I think any actor or anyone who's just like done something that they feel is like maybe the best thing they've ever done, Mm -hmm. whether it's like you wrote something or you just like had a, I'm like a family, you gave a great lesson, whatever it is, like in your job, right? And I think she kind of understood, like, this is my chance, almost. And it wasn't just her. Like you said, it was, like, kind of the people around her. But so so the thing is, is, like, indie movies that have no funding or that have, like, a crappy distribution deal or have, like, no major studio deserve to be seen. And they sure. deserve to be recognized at what cost, I guess, right? Um, and so I think the grassroots element, the potential of, like, not showing the movie. But on top of that... The idea of, like, equity in the sense that, yes, were there screenings available by from people like Jennifer Aniston? Sure, people could go see it. Could every actor go to a movie theater and buy a ticket to see that movie to know if Andrea Riseborough was good enough for a nomination? No. It's not actually equitable to people who aren't friends with Jennifer Aniston, you right? You had to take the word for it from Gwyneth Paltrow, who posted it on her Instagram story. Yes. Right next to, like, a back posturing device that you could buy you know and it it was just kind of the commercialism of these influencers absolutely i mean they're movie stars yes um and so on one hand like there was a case somewhat similar to this where a composer years ago sent his own song to his branch he was a governor of the branch he got disqualified and he was like i just finally thought that i had a chance to get nominated (laughs) like he was really just like i wanted to get recognized right and so i really I'm sympathetic to that element of it. And I do think they've done an investigation and I and they were like, we can't yeah. prove whatever. Oh, but, but the investigation was based or I mean there was a lot of pushback. And so they had to find something to investigate. Yes. The movie was not shown at it, one of these events that was held. I don't know if it was by a celebrity or if it was just like a grandiose affair, but they didn't show the movie and it was to promote and it was the a movie. screening of the or like Allegedly. Yeah, a promotional event for the yes. movie. And so, yeah, they're not going to rescind her nomination or anything. But you do have to ask. Like, it is, it's just such a strange thing, right? Like I said, the indie movie thing. But then it's like, at what cost? Because then you have very worthy nomina- like very worthy performances. And I'm not saying that they are more or less worthy than Andrea Risebros. Because, like, but, I mean, like, you know, there's good actors and bad actors. But moving on. <laughs> you have those these performances from Viola Davis and from Daniel Deadweiler, who is not 
a name, right? Who like right? Ima- so imagine who got this part in this movie. She plays Emmett Till's mother. I'm not going to go into that whole story. I think a lot of our listeners probably know who Emmett Till is. This actress who like I never I had never heard of her up until this point. I think that I had I was aware that she was like in TV shows. Um, so imagine her being like, well, I gave the the best performance of my life in this movie, mm-hmm. and my movie went to movie theaters and people could see it and. I don't know. I just, that's what makes it hard. Viola Davis, same thing. Viola Davis is more of like, less like a personal thing where it's just like, man, that sucks. But like institutionally, you look again at the Oscars and you just say, how how did this happen again? Because this year there were, anyways, yeah, there's there's problems and they're trying to solve them. I want to latch on to (laughs) one last thing. You mentioned like how you can see somebody that's an actor and you're like, okay, you know what you're doing. I get it. Sure, right? I have never appreciated that so much as watching recently Paul T. Goldman. Oh, yes. On Peacock. Please tell us more. It's like a hybrid. <laughs> you have a gentleman who is aiming to be a, a screenwriter, basically. Mm-hmm. He's written a book. He wants to be made into a movie. And this director, he also directed the most recent Borat movie, This director decides, like, he's going to shoot some of these scenes, but then also do a documentary about the writer. Is, is there, is there, like, a true crime element involved? There sure is. Okay, that's what I was like, isn't there something really zany? Yeah. On top of the part. I just listened to an interview with the director, and he talks about how, like, it was not intended to be a true crime piece, but it has, it follows those sort of beats. Sure. And that's really helpful in gaining an audience, but it is extremely watchable, so funny, and part of the structure of the movie is you being able to recognize who is in the documentary and who is acting. And I don't want to give anything else away, Mm. but it's just, it's such a wonderful, wonderful piece of work. I was going to say, it sounds very like singular. It sounds like its own thing. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it. And that's part of the reason. And there were moments where I was uncomfortable and I thought like, I really don't like this person or that person. I I really strongly disagree with them. But by the end, I appreciated it as this very original piece of art that I didn't even mind. Sure. Sometimes, which I guess you could say those are flaws. Sometimes, like, things that are very flawed, if they're even if they're just trying to do something, can be, like, very compelling. Oh, yeah. I thought that about, this is a real aside, I'm not going to say anymore, but I thought that about Interstellar. The movie <laughs> Interstellar. I remember watching and being like, wow, there's a lot wrong with this. I, I love it. That is on Peacock, you said, right? Yeah. Paul T. Goldman. 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 Goldman, yeah. Right? I didn't right. want to miss the initial. No, you're correct. Um, Sarah and I talk, we like to mention things we've been watching. Mm-hmm. I don't watch Saturday Night Live anymore. I used to be so into it. Like, I read so many books. Like, I was, like, I was one of many students at Emerson College who was, like, I'm really into SNL, Lord Michaels. (laughs) But uh, if you haven't yet seen (laughs) a four and a half minute sketch from this past weekend's SNL, it was hosted by Pedro Pascal, who is my current number one. He's on my list. He's number one on my list. You have a list. Everyone has a list, right? He's number one. Um, But it was hosted by Pedro Pascal. Uh, I am so lost from SNL that, like, there's five or six main characters in the sketch, and I recognize three of them. One of them is Pedro Pascal. It's one of those really, really great ones. It reminds me of Debbie Downer, where they just, like, introduce a a character that's just, like, kind of goofy and silly and, and like kind of dumb um and everything just sort of goes off the rails and everyone just kind of loses it and her name is lisa oh the 
the the character. Oh, Lisa from Temecula. Yes. <laughs> Which like, is, Temecula. Yeah, like that's funny kind of on its own. Um she's played by Egon Wodum. I think that is or or she might just say Wodum. I found it. It's just Wodum. Wodum. Egon Wodum. Oh my gosh, I said the N again. Sorry. There's a silent N at the beginning of her last name. That's why. It's Eguo. You got it. I know. Now I keep like mixing up my, I'm looking at the syllables on my phone. Ego Wodim. That's it. Ego Wodim. Um, she's very, very funny. But I highly recommend seeking out Lisa from Temecula. <laughs> just for like a, literally just like a four or five minute little burst of energy in your day. Can I tell? Okay, actually, I just so I just looked over at the radiator, uh, and there's some of Sarah's books on the shelf. Small teaching K through eight, and <laughs> I forgot. Actually, they might be in my car. Sarah gave me a couple copies to take with me, and one of the copies that she gave me had a bunch of photos of her beautiful little daughter, oh. of her little baby girl in the back. And I what? handed it to my mom, and I said, "Oh wait." what is that yeah i oh, need to take no. that back sorry and, that. and then my mom was like can i keep one and i was like no <laughs> she could have. i know but i thought that was a little funny it just reminded me uh when i looked at sarah's little shelf with her books on it and oh, if you haven't yet grab a copy that. oh thank you i also um it came out on audiobook this week and the <sighs> the narrator does like a really good job i mean it made me just happy to hear her reading my book if you get an audiobook i feel like that's like the big time oh man I'm- right I, it was very surprising to me because I, I, I just found out about this a couple weeks ago. This is very exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. Yeah. Which we both have kind of forgotten about. <laughs> <laughs> I watched some of the ads in anticipation of this. Do you want? Do you want to do that first? So yeah, we might as well. So last year, you guys may remember um, Sarah kind of like gave me some prompts for. Super Bowl ads and yeah, try to I kind of guess what was going on. If you can figure out what product they're selling. Yes. I'm very excited. All four of them are beer. What beer are we drinking today? Warcastle. Yeah, we got a little Redemption Rock here. I love Redemption Rock. Me too. It's a very safe space. I meant to ask. It is a very safe Sloan space. Sloan is in the building as well. Sloan is right here. Our eight-month-old uh, associate. <laughs> yes. She's a friend of the pod. Friend of the pod, Sloan, is playing with her blocks. But I wanted to ask you, when you left brunch, you were on your way to Redemption Rock. Yes. Did you guys have a nice time on Sunday? We did. And in fact, I tried a new beer that I really liked. And I can't remember what it was called, but I'm going to describe the sign for you. So when you go to Redemption Rock, you can order <laughs> it. It had dinosaurs on it. And it was a West Coast IPA. And I liked it. I found it real nice drinking. <laughs> um, I'm sure they'll be thrilled when you order it as the dinosaur beer. All right. You ready? <laughs> yes. Okay. So these are commercials that will be airing on Sunday. Last year, this beverage featured some heavy hitters in its ad, including Serena Williams and Peyton Manning. This year, Williams is joined by Tony Romo in a reenactment of Caddyshack. Which beer do you think it is? Oh, wow. I was going to say Fresca, which I know is not a beer, but one of my favorite lines from Caddyshack. Can I get you a Fresca? Um, Ooh, okay. Serena. I'm trying to remember what Serena did an ad for. Is it a... It's a domestic... Are they, is it, it's a domestic, yeah, like, it's domestic like beer. a major, I guess you would call it sporty if a beer can be sporty. Mick Ultra? It is! <laughs> <laughs> the, what is it, 64 calories? <laughs> a 
amazing. Well, that's their whole thing, right? Is that they're like, oh, make all this like water <laughs> and it tastes like it too. All right. You ready for number two? I am. Sarah McLaughlin heads for the mountains. Ooh. Wait. To continue her work for the ASPCA, mm-hmm. where she finds herself face-to-face with a wolf in her tent. I saw an article about this, and I don't remember the beer. Yeah, I think of Sarah McLaughlin is more of like a craft beer drinker. Like Allagash. Yes, funny, absolutely. You know? I'm with you. And this like a Sierra Nevada. Um, this is not Natty Light, but it's Is it Bush Light? Off. It is Bush Light. Good job. I'm two for two. All right. I have two more for you. Okay. Kevin Bacon narrates (laughs) this ad as a six-pack connects a wide variety of diverse beer drinkers. (laughs) That sounds fun. Is it... You know, like the six degrees of... Yes. Oh, I didn't even make that connection, which is kind of silly. What's the thing Kevin Bacon is always six people away from someone? Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yes. You can you can name any actor and you can reliably, and at this point I think it's easier than it used to be just because, I don't know, there's so many movies, but yes, you can reliably name any actor and within like six jumps to other actors and movies, you can get to Kevin Bacon. Um, is it Coors Light? Oh, you're so close. Is it Bud Light? It is. I feel like correct. <laughs> Steal My Sunshine is the soundtrack to this Boston man's fantasy as he traverses an alternate universe in which Red Sox and Yankees fans embrace the bleachers, Southie residents shovel one another's parking spots, and the only thing that the mob dumps into the river is its recyclables. Is it Sam Adams? It is Sam Adams. Is Sam Adams the Bostonian who's witnessing all of this? <laughs> no. Because no. that sounds delightful. It's this guy who's like lost in a daydream. Oh, like it's just a regular guy. Regular guy trying to buy a six pack at the packy. I do want to say just quickly because we are talking about Sam Adams beer that I do really like those Sam Adams commercials that are like your cousin from Boston. So this is one of those <laughs> commercials. He, oh, yes. It's the cousin from Boston. Excellent. It's going to be great. I find those commercials to be not quite as funny, but almost as funny as the um, progressive teaching you how to not become your parents commercials. All right. Well, I have been Sarah. I've been Molly. Pop it, pop it.